welcome to uh, to church this morning. Um, hey I have my friend Rich here to encourage me so I can hear someone say amen uh, now that everybody is muted. Um, thanks so much uh, for having us, uh, the Blue Ridge Church hosting the Lynchburg Valley Church. Uh, we're so grateful to be here this morning to, to worship God with you. Um, we're going to continue the, your guys' study of Luke, so you can go ahead and turn over to, to Luke 11. Before that, I, I need to... Just say it. Uh, today is me and Brittany's six-year anniversary. Uh, we've been married for six years as of today, and she still puts up with me. So praise hey. God for that. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful for for Brittany um, being there in the fight with me uh, this past six years. As we we have two daughters, and we did just come and plant the Lynchburg Valley Church. Um, and we're so grateful for all 19 who are, are here on the planting, uh, rearranging their lives for, for the gospel. So my point this morning is whose side are you fighting on? Who is your king? And what we will read today is two kingdoms at battle, two kingdoms that are at war and how we, we can't just be on the fence, but we have to choose a side. So in Luke 11, starting in verse 14, we'll read. The Bible reads, Jesus was driving out a demon that was a mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When, he, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. When it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, 
Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bolt. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, well, sorry, when your eyes are healthy, your body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. We'll stop there. Again, my point is whose side are you fighting on? Who's your king? What kingdom are you a part of? We see this, we see here in this passage that, that Jesus comes and, and heals or, or exercises this demon out of this man. And the man is no longer mute and he can speak. And there's three kind of responses the crowd has. They're amazed. They believe that he is using the power. Or he's driving him out with, with Beelzebub, the prince of demons. But also they're, they're asking for a sign from heaven. And throughout this whole passage, Jesus is, is addressing these comments or these responses. And it's all about the authority of God, the kingdom of God, and pinning the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. We have a war at hand. There is a spiritual war going on. And it's taking place, and you need to align yourself with either God or Satan. With either the light or the darkness. There's no in between. You can't ride the fence. You're either for him or you're against him. There is no such thing as dual citizenship. So the, the crowd comes to Jesus and said, you're driving out these demons by Beelzebub. And Jesus' response to that is, a house divided will fall. How could it be that Satan would try to drive out Satan? It's so discouraging, but Satan is a unified front. His demons are unified. The power of Satan cannot drive themselves out because they have a common purpose. Why would Satan encourage a civil war amongst his ranks, amongst his troops? He wouldn't. So Jesus himself could not be a deputy of Satan because he wouldn't drive out his own people. 
which is an amazing defense because if you think about it, he also calls into effect who who do your people drive out demons by? If if you are calling me a a, a deputy or a, a pawn of Satan to drive out his own people, well then who do your people drive people out by or demons out by? Who who is that? Go talk to them. I think it's 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 very clear in verse 23. He's trying to make a very clear point. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather will be scattered. And we see that the power of God is matched against the power of Satan. But we know, just as this passage says, there's one that is stronger than the other. There's one that will overpower the other kingdom. And we know the end story. We know that God is the one who is more powerful. God is more powerful. He will overpower Satan. And the church says, amen. But we have a choice. So the crowd has to make a choice. Whose side are you fighting on? Whose side are you going to be with? Are you going to choose to be with the, the, the king who is going to be overpowered? The king of darkness? Or are you going to be with the king of light? Are you going to be with God himself? He says this generation is evil. And those who request the sign are as well. The only sign that they need is the sign of Jonah. The Jonah and this, this great rescue that happens. Yes, Jonah falls short. He runs away. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh to preach to them repentance. But God rescues him. A fish swallows him, and the great rescue, rescue begins. He spit out, and then he goes, and he preaches to the Ninevites to repent. That's the only sign you need. That's the only sign the crowd will need. We have the ability to, to rest with God because of this sign, this, this sign that, that, that Jonah has given, that God has, has preached, that, that Jonah preached to the Ninevites to go and preach repentance to them. That is the sign. And when we're talking about these two different kingdoms, we're talking about the light and the darkness, God and Satan. These are all characteristics of the, the, the kingdoms. If you live in the light as he is in the light, then you are in the kingdom of light. And I, I want to hone in on this part that, that yes, Jonah did give the, the, the rescue. He was rescued. But God is also, like, Jesus is the great rescuer. Like, it says that he is even greater than Jonah because he's going to even make a, a greater rescue attempt. Jesus, talking to this crowd, he, he's trying to get them to understand that you also need rescuing. Even when he's talking to Paul in Acts 26, right? To open their eyes, turn them to darkness, from darkness to light, to the power of Satan, to God, 
so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Like Jesus is trying to get them to understand that they need to be rescued. They need to place membership in the kingdom of God. And the only way that is possible is when they're set free from their sins, when they can receive this great rescue. And we know the story. We know that we, we know the story, the end of the story, that Jesus dies for that, that he does commit the greatest rescue of all time, that he takes on sin so that we can be justified before God, that we can be justified before him, our sin can be taken away, and we can have citizenship. And not even just citizenship, but we become adopted sons and daughters. We become royalty, princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, because now we have been set free and we have been added to God's family, but also to his kingdom. But the message still exists that, that we need to repent. Jesus is calling the, the crowd to repentance and not just the actions, but the heart. God's calling us to repentance. We see that, that in, in this, this Roman society, the eye was the conduit of light. And they believed that the light came from within and came out. So it was more of a, a, a conduit of light. And that it, it showed what was actually inside versus everything outside coming in. And this is important because our, our inner constitution or whatever will display, will be full and full display through our behaviors. We'll broadcast what is actually going on inside of our heart. And that is extremely important that we have a repentant heart. That we have our lamp, our bodies, that we can be set on a stand and project repentance. We know we're not going to be perfect. We know we're going to fall short. We're going to have shortcomings. We, we, we are still in the flesh. But I ask, are we modeling a life of repentance? If someone looked at your life, would they say they're screwing up, but they're just keep going? Or are they, are they earnestly and openly living in the light and fighting to live a life of repentance? I want to ask you guys, where does your citizenship reside? With your life on full display, would people see the light? Would people see the, the characteristics that are defined by the light? Humility, righteousness. If you sat on a stand, would people be able to see your citizenship through your actions? And again, a life in the light sure isn't perfect. We do fall short, but a life in the light is humble. 
and a life that goes strongly after a life of repentance. And not just a stopping of the actions, right? It, it is what is deep in our heart. Those sins that are, are so easily entangled us that you can correct the actions. You can wipe it clean. But if you don't change the heart, it's only going to come back up. It's only going to get even get worse. What would stop a person from siding in the light? What would stop a person from siding with God? I think for myself, it's fear. Fear of people are actually going to get to see the real me. Not the, the thing that you see on, obviously, on the screen. Uh, but people are actually going to get to see the real me. And not the good parts. The parts of, of insecurity. Thinking of myself and seeing how I don't like myself sometimes. How can God even like me? I don't want people to see the embarrassing parts of my life because then they're sure not going to want to be my friend. They're as a church leader, they're sure not going to want to follow me because of the sin that is there. I think that stops me from wanting to be completely in the light. Because I don't trust what people see in me, that they'll still want to be either close friends with me, or they'll still want to be led by my example. I think that stops me from wanting to be in the light. My own fear, my insecurity, the pain of embarrassment. What is it for you? Is it being comfortable? If you stay in the darkness long enough, your eyes will adjust and you'll live a comfortable life. Being content with where you are. As soon as you turn the light on, there will be discomfort. And ultimately, the emergency generators will pop on and... <laughs> The light will expose. I think pride. I want to be the boss of my life. I want to be the king of the castle. I don't want to be forced to live by rules. I don't want to be forced to, to live a life that I don't necessarily want to do. Our pride can stop us from being open and being in the light. And living in the kingdom of the light. I think, kind of like me, pain. The light is exposing. And I want to protect myself. Everything on display, a life of repentance is scary. But I want to say, short discomfort of immediately coming to light beats the pain of defeat when satan kingdom satan's kingdom the darkness is destroyed and tortured 
and ultimately thrown into the pit of fire. As, as we even think through this passage and we look at all that God has, has, is ready to do for us and all the arguments he's willing to, to take on so that we can be rescued, as long as we say that we're fighting for him, that we're on the side of God, we're on the side of light. The great rescue is the only sign we need. Jesus is the only thing we need. His ability to go to the cross, to take our sins, to give us a sonship and daughtership in the kingdom. That's all that we need. But in that, we need to live a life of repentance. We need to live a life of being in the light. He calls us to repentance. How's that been going? Would you say that your life has been on full display, a life of repentance? I think even as we, we, we wind up here and we, we take communion together, take a sober look, not about the actions, but how's your heart? How is your heart behind the actions? Why did you come to church today? Or Zoom or log into church today? Was it because it's Sunday and it's 1030? Or is it because you desperately want to live a life for God and a life of repentance? I pray that as, as we do get ready to take communion, that we can take a sober look at our insides. Because ultimately, it's going to come out. There is no hiding it will overflow of the mouth or overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. It's going to come out. Let's be open. Let's live in the light. And remember that God is the sign, that Jesus is the sign and the great rescuer. So please pray with me. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, Visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.